listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I am a singer, songwriter, and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. For episode 46, we have Faint Peter. Faint Peter is the indie folk offering of Boston-born and Seattle-based singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Joseph De Natal. Anchored by steady, finger-picked guitar and graceful instrumentation, De Natal's plaintive voice soars amidst lush, cathedral-sized reverbs in his 2016 debut album, Redoubt. So I got to talk to Joseph right before my girlfriend and I moved out of Seattle and back to Western Massachusetts. Um, I'm really glad the timing worked out and we were able to do the interview because he's a very interesting, really hardworking, um, self-employed musician, and it was my total pleasure to be able to have him on the podcast. Before we get into that, I'm going to play you a song from his album Redoubt Now called Ontario.
So you don't listen to much music these days either? Uh, no, I don't. I don't remember the last thing that I like really got excited about. I mean, the last Spoon record was great, or is great. Um, Hot Thoughts? Yeah. I feel like they, uh, I can always go back to that band because they don't make the same record twice, but it's, they also like, I don't know, they don't miss. They yeah. Don't, they don't seem to miss. Like a lot of bands, like I was talking about, the National with a friend the other day, and they I just feel like they've made the same record five or six times now. And they're, it's great sound, but I kind of know exactly what I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be more of the same. Yeah. Yeah, Spoon. And maybe people feel that way about Spoon, but... No, I, I get what you mean about they kind of mm-hmm. have a different approach going each new release. And yeah, I'm surprised how consistent they've been. Yeah, it's and those 20, guys are in the 40s 20 now. years, yeah, 25 years they've been doing it, so... I feel like there's a trend now where bands that came up in like the late 90s, early 2000s, like they're getting on in years mm-hmm. now, but like each new release still feels just as relevant and just as interesting as like their old stuff. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, like bands that came up in the 60s, by the time you hit like the mid 80s, they were like dinosaurs. Mm, that's a good point. I feel like yeah. artists in this day and age have like much longer, like successful careers artistically. Yeah, that could be true. I mean, yeah, there's not much. Think about somebody like McCartney. There's not much after <laughs> 73 yeah. or 74. That's, that's kind of the cutoff. Maybe Wings. I never really listened to Wings all that much. Yeah, but even that, that's mid-70s. After that, it's kind of might as well just get the greatest hits record uh-huh. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of all that way. Harrison, too. Yeah. Uh, I guess the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, following. yeah. I mean, yeah. There are a couple, couple nice songs, but not any like complete works as far as like an, an album or something like that. Certainly not, not like some of uh, some artists these days. Yeah. Radiohead is the same way. Yeah, they just keep going. Yeah, and I mean, I think there are a lot of people that 
feel that Radiohead just kind of keeps making similar records. Although I would say what they do now is like Spoon. I mean, it's predictable, but it's not boring, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's uh, predictable. It's within, always a fresh twist on something you were more or less expecting. Right. It's predictable within the realm of that band, within the context of that band and that sound. But otherwise, it's still like it adds another layer to what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what were you listening to growing up then when you used to listen to music? Yeah, before before I started making music and mm-hmm. stopped listening to music. Yeah, yeah. So what uh, were your, your influences back in the day? Um, well, you know, when I went through the classic rock phase as a middle schooler, um, and there was always, you know, like 50s and 60s and 70s music on the record player when we were mm-hmm. growing up. I mean, we listened to a lot of the Beatles. We listened to Van Morrison. We listened to some older stuff, too, like Louis Armstrong and Chuck Berry and um, this guy named Louis Jordan, who was like a band leader in the late 40s, saxophone player. Yeah, and then went through the classic rock phase and like probably starting at 12 or 13 and went through the Zeppelin discography and the Pink <laughs> Floyd discography. And and then, you know, probably once I hit high school, started listening to music, started listening to more uh, contemporary rock music like Spoon and My Morning Jacket. And uh, we were into Kings of Leon for a while. Mm. First couple of records there were really fun. They, they were big. They were. I mean, yeah, I mean, their first their first two or three records were were still like... I mean, they were signed to a major label right off the bat, which is kind of crazy, but their first two or three records are just, like, really raw, and, like, they don't even... It's, sometimes it doesn't even feel like they know what they're doing, which is kind of cool. It's just all, like... It's it's all, like, dick music, you know? <laughs> it's very macho. It's, it, yeah, exact, exactly, exactly. So which, what, is, which is cool. What was the stuff you heard and you were like, I want to do this? Like, what made you want to get into making music yourself? Uh, I think I started writing pretty early on. I don't, I don't know hmm. if there's anything in particular that that made me think about actually becoming a composer myself. My father plays guitar and sings, and, and so he was uh, like an influence in terms of me wanting to start playing music. Okay, yeah, so there's some of it in the family. I think so, yeah. I mean, and, you know, he, he writes too. He doesn't, you know, have a lot of, a lot of time He's never had a lot of time since he's had kids yeah. to do that kind of thing. But um, you know, he he's a he's a very good musician and a very good singer, and and he likes writing, and composing as well. So I think that may have um, I think that may have been probably the biggest influence actually. So when uh, did you start writing songs? What's your earliest memory? I think of that? I think eleven or twelve or okay, maybe, yeah, pretty early on. Pretty early on, and then I played in a band with uh, three really good friends probably from 13 all the way through the end of high school and a little bit into college, although it kind of it slowed down. I was doing other things. And so you grew up in uh, eastern Massachusetts? I grew up in like, yeah, like central Mass, central northern Mass, basically, yeah. Worcester-ish? Uh, north of Worcester. North of Worcester. Yeah, so, or west of Lowell, town called Groton. 
Okay. Broughton, Mass. Yeah. So you grew up there, went mm-hmm. to college. I went to college in Boston. Yep. Oh, okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. not too far away. Mm-mm. Yeah. So how did you find the uh, the scene there as you were in Boston? Started? Well, in Groton and then going into Boston, like when well, you started to play out and Groton stuff. Groton is a really, really small town, so there's nothing, there's no nothing kind of, going there's on. There's no scene. I guess it's not particularly near anything either. It's not. Okay. It's not near anything. So you were itching to, to get out to the city well, at a certain point? Well, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was blessed in the sense that I found a group of friends who were all really uh, talented. They just all happened really talented. It's kind of funny. I mean, we... I'm even thinking about some of the kids that graduated before we did who are a couple years older who, you know, they didn't decide to pursue it in any kind of professional sense, but they were all really good too. Um, so there was, I don't know what it was about that town, but there was a lot of, uh, a lot of music, hmm. a lot of, um, a lot of good players. And, you know, I would guess for, a, you know, a small town I mean, my high school class was less than 200 people. I think the town itself is like, nine or ten thousand people so pretty tiny yeah uh so we just you know filled up our time when we were younger it was playing in the woods and playing outside and we got older it was making music so it was um it was a really good way to grow up for sure and then when we when we graduated from high school you know i think we were all a little disappointed and uh that we weren't gonna be able to continue to do do the band together Oh, everybody was going their separate ways. Because everybody went their separate ways, because that's just what you do, you know? It wasn't even, I don't think, I mean, I think we we all made the right decision to go off to college. I don't think we would have known what to do if we had said, oh, we're not going to go to school, we're going to pursue this band. We wouldn't have had any idea where to start doing that. Yeah, you guys were like 18. Yeah, didn't, you know, we're from small town, like, you know, weren't going to move into the city together and, like, get jobs Oh man, that would have been <laughs> an adventure. It would have been an adventure. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we would have uh, probably would have learned some things we didn't learn in college. That's for sure. But <laughs> do you guys have a name? The name of that band was Gerard Mellon. Gerard Mellon. Yeah, I found it. I found her. I think it was a Led Zeppelin four record when I was in like seventh or eighth grade at some yard sale or something, and somebody had written their name on it. That's what it was. <laughs> I think we looked him up years later and he was dead or something. I know he wasn't dead. <laughs> still probably living some elusive in elusive figure. Some some somebody still probably living in Lemonster somewhere. Or wow. So you guys like recorded and stuff? Yeah, we did a little bit. Yeah. So how did looking back on it now, how does it sound? Uh it sounds okay, you know. I think we actually wrote some pretty fun songs. Uh but and they're probably still somewhere on the internet, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a it was a really good experience for all of us. We got to you know record in a couple of professional studios here and there, like you know, like pro- I think we probably won some battle of the bands things at some point, and like that was the prize. Like cool. you get a day to yeah. record in some studio. So that was, I mean, that was really fun to be able to do that at that age. So were you like the vocalist and songwriter for the group? I I sang and and wrote. Um, we all contributed to writing on some degree, but myself and the um, the drummer, uh, one of my friends, his name is his name is Eddie. He's actually going to be marrying my sister probably in the next year or two. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they just okay. they just got engaged. <laughs> so 
going to keep that in the family, which is great. <laughs> Super excited for them. But uh, yeah, he, so we kind of did, mo- I think, the lion's share of the writing. So this is uh, Gerard's Melon is where you started to get your, your chops in that department? Gerard Melon, yep. Yep. That was where we, that's where I started. Yeah, it's funny thinking back about that. Did you have a, a band when you were a kid growing up? When I was a kid, I think I tried to start one or two, but I uh, I don't think it got any traction. I didn't really know what I was doing, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. yeah. I think I was more of a, a solo creator back okay. then. Yeah, I didn't really get a band together until I moved to Japan when I was like, oh, right. doing study abroad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the first 20 to 50 songs you write, I don't know, in my experience, they don't tend to, you got to like, get through that and mm-hmm. then you start coming up with stuff mm-hmm. you might I care even, for a little I bit. even find now that I write stuff that I don't care for at all. <laughs> well, and then beyond that, every other song. Yeah. Well, lucky. if you're lucky, every other song for sure. Yeah. Maybe one in three. I don't know yeah. what the ratio is. Yeah. So even now, you when you write songs, do you just put out a lot of stuff and then like filter it from there? Like, like you're saying, your your ratio might be one out of three that you come up with. You you want to keep? Uh, I mean, I have. In if we're talking about songs that I actually pursue all the way to the end, yeah. Um, yeah, I bet it's probably a little bit better. You know, one I don't know, one out of three, four, five, maybe that I actually like consider putting on a on a release but if it's just ideas i mean it's you it's know, endless it's oh it's endless i should look at my phone i have like <laughs> hundreds of voice memos oh my and God. most of them are just like me whispering and in something into the phone that right because you're at a cafe or, or whatever yeah or just like you know like trying to beatbox into the and like do the bass line at the same time and sing a melody at the same time and then they're unintelligible when i listen back or you totally forget about them until they pop up in itunes six months later and you're like what was this oh yeah i don't see i have to actually go back and look because it's not connected to my any kind of cloud thing, but uh, so I try to like so star some there. of them and like, oh yeah, this is a good one. And then of course I listen back a couple weeks later or months later, and it's it's like completely ridiculous sounding. <laughs> uh, so are you always writing? Have you try to? Um, I think my there's always like ideas spinning around um, in my head as far as like actually sitting down to write um i think i go through more, more i go through phases with that so it's not always it's not always the focus i think like right now it's not the focus recording and trying to like finish up yeah some material that has been languishing for a while for sure yeah is more the focus but i think it is a different headspace although you know like a, a week or two ago i you know, had an idea that I decided to pursue and ended up like spending the whole day kind of fleshing it out and recording a a version of it. And I was actually pretty happy with it. So, I mean, that's kind of like more of a spur of the moment thing. Yeah, you got to love the songs where everything just seems to come together really quickly. Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. almost to the finish line, like Mm -hmm. way sooner than you'd expect. Yeah, and then some of them are just just the endless process (laughs) of trying to figure out. I feel sometimes like the longer a song takes... It's not a good sign. It's a red flag that it's not going to be as good as something that just Probably. comes about more quickly and more organically. Unless I think at some point you can like do something to kind of shift the paradigm within yep. the song and say, okay, 
this isn't working. I like this bit, but this isn't working. So I'm just going to cut bait and like cut my losses and then move on with a new idea with even within the song. Yeah. If you just kind of turn the thing on its head. Yeah. That can work too. Yeah. I did that recently with the song that I've been working on for the next release. And I kind of had this bit at the end that didn't really seem like it was going anywhere and felt like it was too long and yeah, it wasn't really serving the song and, you know, but I really liked the first half, Mm -hmm. first part of it. And, you know, so I just decided I was going to, uh, basically chop it in half and try something different at the end. And, uh, at least to me, I think even, I think sometimes when you listen to songs, especially if they're recorded, if you listen to a song for months at a time, mm, you, you totally lose perspective. Yeah. You just, you, you just lose it. it. It's like, yeah, it's like your ears go numb to it and you can't really hear the song for what it is. Yeah. You don't remember why the hell you started making it mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, so did you go to school for music when you went to college? Was that uh, further that? No, I didn't that go to school. A separate decision. Yeah, I, I you know looking back, I think it would have been advantageous for me to maybe get a minor or maybe double major in music. I don't think I I don't think going to music school would have been the right thing for me. Yeah. Like I could have gone to Berkeley, or I, I mean, I didn't even apply. Like, but it was there. You know, I knew yeah. I knew it was there. Close I knew by. It, it was close by. I'd like done some, you know, like summer workshop stuff with them when I was in high school and. Um, but I never, I never felt like the pull to, to do that. Um, so, you know, mostly because (laughs) I think there was the fear that, all right, well, I'm going to go to music and I'm going to go to music school and, you know, what skills am I going to come out of it with? Like, I don't want to actually pursue music. How does that look on a resume or something? Yeah, of course. There's just all the stuff you're told when you're 18. So of course I went to Boston college and got a degree in English, (laughs) which is, you know, (laughs) It's kind of the same, it bears the same question. Like, not necessarily, well, how's it going to look on a resume, but what am I going to do with this? Right. So, yeah. So I got an English degree instead, which I actually, I really enjoyed. You seem like you enjoy reading. I do. It's the same thing as music, though. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> or Too at least, busy. At least recently, I haven't been. I mean, same thing as listening to music. I can still listen to music because. You know, I have headphones can, with a portable device. Things. I can do it while I'm walking somewhere. I can yeah. do it while I'm washing dishes. See, I think that's... How does anybody read? I, mean, I think that's the how thing How does for, anybody have time? I think that's the thing sit. for me is, like, I don't I don't spend a lot of time walking anywhere anymore or drive. I mean, I, I drive to, you know, to go do gigs. Usually I'm, like, warming up in the car. Right. <laughs> okay, know? yes, even then is... Even then it's, like, I don't got have... got a chore to do. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, unstructured time. Is uh, has been a huge challenge being uh, being self-employed and and playing music, but anyways, that's kind of another discussion. Yeah, it's like two full-time jobs on top. Yeah, of I mean, I think uh, you're always thinking of the next move. I'm yeah, I'm always thinking of the next. I think being you know when you're self-employed, you always have to, especially when you're freelancing, which is mostly what I'm doing. You know, at least for me, there it always seems like. There's always a level of anxiety. Like if I lose one thing, you know, that like I'm going to have to scramble for something else. Um, And I think maybe at some point, you know, as a freelancer, you get to the point where you have like multiple projects going on at once or you have kind of like 
a project that lasts for a certain amount of time yeah. and then you create some stability. Yeah. And then you, but you know that, you know, once that project ends, like there's going to eventually be something coming along just cause that's been the way it's, it's been, and you've, you know, established some kind of reputation or whatever, but for sure. I don't, you know, I don't feel that way at this point that that's uh I have just haven't been doing it long enough and I don't know enough people to kind of like, if I lost a gig or whatever, I'd be able to just like reach out to two or three other people and say, Hey, do you have something? To, you yeah. Know, so something you're, to you're going full throttle with the music. I mean, it's a full time yeah, pursuit for you right now. How, mean, how long has that been the case? Uh, that's been about two years. Uh, but you know, I'm not making money off of my own music. I'm making money, you know, playing other people's music in restaurants. <laughs> oh, okay. So you do and the cover scene. Yeah. I, so Fair I do enough. that. And then, you know, writing music for other people. Oh, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, it's a lot of amateur work. I, I've done like very little kind of professional work as far as that's concerned, but it's still, you know, it's people who are working on their own projects and maybe they need a vocal or, you know, they have a set of lyrics and they really want somebody to write and produce the song for them so I'll, I'll do that and that's all via the internet okay cool yeah. yeah so you got a lot going on at once yeah definitely in two years I mean in the grand scheme of things you've just just started out so yeah I always have to remind myself of that for sure and so two years ago also that's roughly when you made your first album right Redoubt mm-hmm yeah uh, Redoubt came out uh February of 2016, so yeah, about two years ago. So uh, what was that like going into that? That's a big album. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of good good tracks on it. How'd you, uh, Thank you. how'd yeah. that come together? Uh, I mean, that, you know, that came together over a couple of years. Um, it was, that was my beg, borrow, and steal album. <laughs> I mean, I think as a lot of first releases probably are. So it was pretty piecemeal. Uh, it was definitely pretty piecemeal. Yeah, I mean, I I recorded that in uh, I don't know how many different locations I was recording that in. I think some of it was done in a house I used to live in in Queen Anne. Some of it was done in the house I currently live in in Maple Leaf. And then there was it. There were at least two or three other like living rooms or bedrooms mm-hmm. that you know in various other places. You know, with other people in their homes that it was done in. So. Yeah, it was a it was a process. I didn't, you know, didn't really know what I was doing. Oh, well, who does a, going a, in for their first album? For sure, but I mean, from a production standpoint too, um, you know, was working with like pretty limited gear, which is not a bad thing necessarily. Um, I think it's you have to put limits on a lot of these things. If you don't put a limit on it, then it's like, you know, there's there are, there are infinite possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had a friend mix it um, who's, you know, lives back on the East Coast. And I, um, you know, so we did that remotely, which I don't think I'll ever do again. Um, you got to be in the room next time. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was making like a straight ahead rock record or something like that, it would be a little bit easier. But there were like very subtle things that I wanted, you know. Yeah. Your songs are pretty nuanced. Yeah. I, I, I try to make them, you know, I, I try to do like things with the instrumentation and the arrangements that are not kind of standard or um it's it's very little and it's also you know it's not a band i'm not like recording a band where everybody has a part yeah and you know you're only playing the part you know every person is only playing the part they play live and then it just needs to be translated to a record it's more like 
you know, there's a, there are like a lot of layers that I put in there that, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be intended to, and probably wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be able to pull off, you know, in a live setting. So it's a little bit more complicated than just, you know, recording a four piece rock band and then, you know, making sure everything yeah, sounds yeah. good. Um, the singer songwriter persona can be kind of complicated. What yeah, sort of sound? You yeah, especially when you, you when you're trying to. I think for me, like I don't, I don't, I didn't want to make a singer songwriter record. I didn't want to just like write songs and play them on acoustic guitar and then like have some kind of like boilerplate, you know, I don't know, drums and like pedal, yeah. like, like whining yeah. pedal just steel use a template on it. Or something. Yeah, use a template exactly. I mean, I think, um, you know, I there are a lot of sounds that I. Uh, that I love that I ended up getting that are, you know, in that, still within that genre, but um, I didn't want to, I guess, maybe out of necessity because I was working on it myself, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to kind of create something that, that sounded like anything else. And uh, I don't know. I, I think I accomplished that at least. I'd say so, yeah. Um, but was, what did it end up being a lot more work than you anticipated or? How how was the process of making that album for you? It was it was difficult, yeah, it was difficult. Um, I mean, it was very it was really fun, you know, definitely fun, a lot of fun moments, but it was it was a challenge. It was probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And the one I'm working on now, I think, is the next logical step um, to that. And is, you know, I, I've I think I've really grown in my ability to like get like higher quality recordings, yeah, yeah. um, you know, on my own and have invested in, um, some gear that has allowed me to do different things, um, and, and kind of get like a larger palette of sounds. For sure. Yeah. Um, and that's really exciting to me. Yeah. I think this, this next one is going to be, you know, kind of, uh, again, like the, the next logical step, uh, from that last record. Um, you know, more sounds, I think more nuance, there, there are a, a number of songs in that record that are mostly guitar and voice, and on on the on the first one that is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I want to. My ear is just starting to get away from that. I'm just. I'm not. You're I'm seeing not, the I'm other not, possibilities. I'm not interested in, in that as much anymore. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm headed with this next one. So this is album number two. That's what you. Yeah. You're working on mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Would you say uh, with your songs, are there any? recurring or consistent themes, mm -hmm. specific messages. What, yeah, sure. What would you say your, your stuff's about? I think the theme of home is a big one. Um, See Miss Groton living out here in Seattle? Well, I, you know, I mean, I have a lot of nostalgia for that period in my life. Yeah, for being that young. Yeah, and maybe to a fault. But I think more than that, it's it's the feeling that I may not be where I currently am may not be like the right place ultimately for me. Uh. And so it's kind of like trying to figure out how I feel about that mm. and what I'm going to do about it. So you're doing some soul searching. And Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, you know, and I think moving into being self-employed too, you know, as I was uh, saying earlier, there's a lot of uncertainty in that. And yeah, I feel like you're in free fall. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, it feels sometimes like there's very little that is like holding me to the ground, hmm. and that's that's a that's not a good feeling. It's uh, it gets like, it gets tiring. It gets exhausting to feel that I feel that imagine. way. Yeah, I think there are a lot of songs about that. Definitely about home, searching for that, 
especially that feeling of of being home you know which of course is not is not a place it's it really is a feeling it's an idea yeah, yeah it's an idea it's a it's a it's a way of like waking up in the morning and going to bed in the morning or at night you know it's it's uh yeah it's it's hard to describe obviously but uh, i think everybody knows it when they feel it and when you don't it's hard to put your finger on why you don't feel that right but the people who know what you're you're going towards with that i think they'd really mhm the songs you're writing they're they're made for those sort of people that's what they would i think so to. i think so yeah definitely and how have you found um the local scene here in seattle for uh people such as yourself doing uh-huh. what you do i think uh this city is great for a number of reasons and um if you're trying to play out for instance i mean there are so many small venues that you can as a un- totally unknown like you know just starting out artist that you can readily book yeah which is huge um you know cuz there those those venues have to be there have to be those venues in place in order for people to in order for artists to go out and gain that experience playing in a room you know with a sound engineer yeah, absolutely. to a crowd um a sound engineer who cares in a in a room that actually doesn't you know sound like shit um which i feel like is has been my experience at least when I was playing in Boston. Um, and now there are, you know, even fewer venues than when I left. Uh, yeah. but or, it's you, not at the least most small, small for, venues. for performing musicians There's not, there. No, definitely not. Um, but out here, there, you know, again, there are, I could think of half a dozen or more venues where you could go do that and, you know, you'd have a pretty good experience overall as the artist um, and learn a lot from that. You know, and then there are things like KXP, which is obviously a huge... Um, supporter of local music um i think the fact that people are uh willing to go out and listen to live music live original music which i don't think is the case everywhere um that's a huge advantage to being here people are excited to go and see original music part of it it means a lot part of it is because they actually have a good experience at least you know part of the least hopefully most of the time uh because the sound is generally pretty good. Um, it all, you know, it's all kind of related. If you go, but if you, an audience, you know, if you're somebody's going to a show and it doesn't sound good because the guy behind the board doesn't care. Yeah, you don't want to go back. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good the band is, you know, uh, or at least, you know, it, it definitely would, even if the band is great, it, it may, you know, kind of ruin your experience hindrance, of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think all those things together, you know, uh, end up in a or result in a in a you know a good scene for people who are you know trying to make music and the the way I always kind of describe it is that you know apart from all that there's also just a lot of musicians here who are doing the way I think about it is there are a lot of musicians here who are doing what I want to do which is I, yeah they're somewhere along the the path of like making music for a living uh, making their own music for a living right right yeah you got a peer group. Um, totally. And that's a huge, you know, that's a human resource. That's a huge, huge resource for, for people, um, like myself who are, you know, not as far along that path and are trying to figure out what the next steps are. And, uh, and generally, you know, I found people very willing to, to be of assistance in that regard. Cool. Yeah. People are usually a little more warm and supportive out here than, uh, than mass halls. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if there were as any, if there's any good music happening in Massachusetts, maybe there is, but I, I, I don't know. I think we talked about this before. There's when we were growing up there, there wasn't a lot that, yeah, <laughs> or at least not that, Pickens. not that I was a interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't know much about Eastern Mass. Western Mass has, has uh, some good like radio stations and some, mm-hmm. some bands that come out of there, but yeah. Yeah, once you leave the the college towns, I don't know what happens. <laughs> I don't either. But uh, yes, yeah, so that's pretty cool that you uh, you picked a place like here in particular to uh, to come out to after mm-hmm. after college and everything, and found uh, some of your your tribe in yeah, this community. I would say so. You know, and that has that has kept me out here. You know, up to this point, and uh, I think what's ultimately going to you know at least be a contributing factor when I leave is that I can't afford to live here. Yeah, well, you and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just trying to work in the creative field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll and be it's interesting a shame. how that turns out. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, hopefully it doesn't end up like San Francisco, but it very well could. Yeah. Or maybe there's only one San Francisco. They, people are aware of it, and they don't want it. Yeah. You know, or at least people say they don't want it to become like San Francisco. But at the end of the day, like, yes, we can vote for certain things, but... We can't halt progress, or at least what the neoliberals would call progress. Yeah, you know, <laughs> some sort of evolution going on around here. Yeah, I mean, things are going to change, yeah. regardless of you know what that looks like. There's there's no way to stop the change from happening. You know, if it becomes whether that means it, the Seattle becoming like San Francisco, or whether that means you know there's some kind of like happy medium met, uh, or reached, yeah, you know, somewhere can go in another direction. Yeah. Or can go in another direction or they find some kind of like, you know, they innovate in some way, the city government or the, you know, whatever it is, they find some way to innovate and, you know, they can provide housing solutions for people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or they can, you know, they take it to the state level and they are able to gain some kind of, um, rent control legislation. That would be helpful. (laughs) Which is, you know, I mean, I don't know. We don't need to get into politics, but it's not, it's not easy. No. Yeah. And only like 22% of people in Seattle voted in the last local election. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there there you go. (laughs) Nothing. I mean, we're not going to change the, the, uh, the course of the path we're on in that you know, in that case. In that manner, yeah. Yeah, well, it'll be cool that you'll stick around to kind of see how that plays out a little bit more, I hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. Things we'll look see. out for the best. Um, I guess my cl- last question for you was, uh, where'd you get the name Faint Peter? Mm. Uh, that was a name that I was using when I was much younger, and um, I think originally it was just kind of like a, a play on uh, Saint Peter, Who's that again? Uh, saint Peter is a, you know, a Catholic or a Christian saint. I think technically Saint Peter founded the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. But then you're Saint um, Peter. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I grew up as a Catholic. Uh, I mean, I well, I should say I grew up going to church. Right. <laughs> I would never say there was, was Catholicism never, going on around you. I would never when say you were I was young. Catholic. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I could ever. I don't think I could ever say that in, in all honesty. Um, you know, not that I have anything against it either, but I think, um, I think 
when I returned to it, to return to that name, you know, and decided to like release, finally release uh, some music under that title, it made sense to me because I think that uh, music is the, like the most spiritual thing that I do. I think there are a lot of um, spiritual themes in the music that I that I write, like particularly in this in the vein of this project. You know, For sure. Um, and a lot of stuff. It sounds like you recorded it in a church. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I love that kind of big reverby sound. Um, I love like the layers that you can create with you know different effects. You know, adding atmosphere to whatever maybe the guitar or the or the vocal and i like what that does to the you know the different frequencies that can come out and and different like harmonics that happen when, you, sure, when yeah. you apply that kind of thing so i think that's you know it it made sense in that in that regard as far as like what i wanted to name the project and then of course the other part of it is that band names are so hard mm. <laughs> so if you find something that's even just Passable, yeah. You That's, commit to it. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I've never come up with a band name that I was like, "Yes, that's great. <laughs> I love it." Like, I mean, and if I do have one, it's taken. It, well, it's either taken or it's for a project that like I feel like I'm not doing. You know, oh, it's for it's for like, well, that would be a great. Doesn't band quite name. fit your vibe. Doesn't quite fit the vibe. Yeah, that's a great name, but like not for this music. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't like jive with uh, there would be like a cognitive dissonance between the name and the and the music yeah I got which you. is not always the worst thing uh i guess it's kind of surprising when i when i first heard of my morning jacket i thought it was like an emo band or something mm. and i was like i don't i, I'm not I don't into that or I, my I, bloody I, valentine yeah i mean maybe it was just because of that association which i and i don't even i don't know they're not even an emo band are they i don't know no, nothing like know. it no yeah uh, so, you know, it was just some association that I had for whatever reason. And then, of course, you know, it was not the music that they make. It was not what I thought it was. So that's the other thing, too. It's like we all bring different associations to different right. titles or how names or words. Gonna yeah. going to come into your world. Yeah, exactly. Thinking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you did a pretty good job with that. Well, yeah, I hope so. I still go back and forth sometimes on it. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I like that name. Like, should I? It's too late to I, turn back now. I just, well, yeah, sometimes I feel that way. And other times I'm like, well, I could just cut bait and, you know, just put out another record that's under a different name. And <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, um, do you have any uh, shows coming up? Anything you want to plug here? Uh, so I'll be doing the round at the Fremont Abbey on January 9th. Um, that's a really cool event. Um, have you ever been to that? I have not been to the round, but okay. I've been to their open mic. Yeah. But, yeah. A, your music would do very well at a, you know, a, essentially a church. It, I mean, yeah, it is. It's converted. Actually, they still do services there. I mean, it's the, the space has been converted yeah. from a kind of standard. Um, cool. So that's January 9th. It's January 9th. Yep. Um, so that's a cool event. There are three artists, three musical artists, and then um, a spoken word artist and uh, usually one or two visual artists too that paint or you know draw or do whatever they're they're mm -hmm. doing um, during the course of the evening, which is pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah, it's a fun event. Yeah, hope that goes well. I look forward to uh, 
keeping tabs on this upcoming second album too. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Right. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks, Thomas. All right, that was Faint Peter. Always nice to talk to a fellow Massachusetts guy. I wonder if I'll get to see him play over here sometime. And if you liked this episode of Talking About the Passion, please write us a review on iTunes. I want to get more of your feedback. If you use Spotify, follow the Talking About the Passion Spotify playlist to hear a collection of awesome tunes from artists who've been featured on the podcast in the past. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you want to write to me with any suggestions, questions, or comments about the podcast, you can email tatppodcast at gmail.com. Coming up now, we have one more Faint Peter song. This is called What You Took. Happy New Year.
find me gone when you wake up sometime in the middle of the next century and I bet the man you're sleeping with won't even know a thing about the fire that you felt with me and maybe some cold night when you're shivering all alone you'll peer out that front window and look for someone to let in to your cold heart once again someone holding out for what you That someone, it ain't me I'll be making up for what you told I don't know I don't know